on the Spencer's the Pez, Goking out at the cons, Renaissance Fest, Watch anime chicks with inflatable breasts. You might be a Trekkie, <laughs> sit back and watch as the Uber geek goes and kicks it up a notch. Turn to the left to F in your dictionary and add this word to your vocabulary. Take a look, cause I'm the real McCoy. Damn it, Jim, I'm not a doctor, I'm just the definition of a fanboy. Listen up, fanboys, this is a Fanboy Planet podcast. And here's your host, a man who just got a bronze medal for podcasting, Derek McCombs. The Chinese cheated. Okay, I didn't even know what I was competing in. Who beat me? Who got the silver? The Czechs. Okay. All right, this is Derek McCaw, editor-in-chief of FanboyPlanet.com, the website for the well-rounded geek. We are podcasting from elusive comics and games. You mean we're not in Beijing? We are not. Okay. We couldn't afford it. Okay. 2725. You, you know what a hotel room's going for in there right now? We have Beijing beef from Panda I, Express. I awesome. Have, I have Beijing lung right now. Okay, okay. yes. Uh, and, and that's just the color. We are uh, at Elusive Comics and Games 2725 El Camino Real Suite 104 in Santa Clara, California, where we podcast every Wednesday evening uh, at around 6.30, so stop on by sometime. With me, of course, are... My best friends in the whole universe. Aww. Well, right now, you in, know, depending on which universe it is. Universe. In this universe, absolutely. There but are, we're going to have a final crisis. There are soon. worlds within worlds. There are. Yeah. And uh, so the, my best friend's on New Earth. Long that is going to be replaced by Superway Prime. Well, I was going to say, you guys are my best friends Kinda in the awesome. Bizarro universe. So. Okay, mm. wow, you were you. so kind. Mm. Uh, so, uh, yeah, who is that? Who are you there as announcer? Uh, this is Lon Lopez. Just back from Tahoe. Barely made it. Hello, everyone. I'm sure everyone can see that. And, uh, of course, sound I'm very en- grizzled right sound now. Sound engineer and moral compass. Rick Brett Snyder, just back from Oregon. We should have commuted. Yeah, I'm, just, I'm just back from um, Los Gatos. Kumbaya. It's from Santa, Santa Cruz Mountains. So, which really We're all just away. back. We are. We are. And we're back. Okay, we've got some comics news. We've got movie news that may uh, that may rock the world of fanboys. Not really. It's all going to get resolved, but we've got to talk about it because it's certainly newsworthy. Uh, we got a little bit of TV stuff. Uh, you know, we're kind of in the dog days of that, but let's go back to comics. Let's begin with We don't with have that. any viewer mail this week? Um, well, I got an email from Rob Cordaway, hey. and he asked me if uh, he'd seen an ad for Marvel Apes, and he thought that that was an April Fool's joke late from Marvel. Mm. Then I uh, forwarded to him seven pages of preview art. and So not an April Fool's joke. It is joke. not an April Fool's now, joke. Now, wait, can I ask a question? Because I've seen some preview stuff from that uh-huh. real fast. Uh-huh. Um, is it a special, like on its own kind of like Elseworlds kind of thing or is it going to be in continuity or? it's sort of in continuity I believe it's not the mandrill there's the gibbon the gibbon one of those ape related uh, supervillains, right because uh, the mandrill's too busy like you know sniffing his butt or something right the, or? Uh, the mandrill has a very odd power and I don't know what, how Marvel came up with this it was Stan mm. Lee uh, can he taste his own pee or what's the he? mandrill <laughs> actually makes is irresistible to women yeah he has <laughs> ferrum he, he has a pheromones. monkey a monkey supervillain who whose can... power is he enslaves women's minds. So wait, who's who's his main hero? Or as I like arch to call nemesis? him the Laundrill. Right. Who <laughs> who's his main arch nemesis? Who does he? What comic does he show uh, Daredevil. up? Daredevil. Yeah, he's a Daredevil. Enemy. Daredevil. <laughs> yeah, it was back in the the Dark Ages. They, they should have made him because a Tony chicks, Stark villain. Because chicks dig monkeys and blind. No, guys. but can you imagine that that issue? <laughs> Tony Stark going up against the Mandrill and. Like, Tony Stark can't get any chicks because the mandrill, mandrill's getting them all. We should have pitched that tomorrow. Oh, Thanks. Nice going. That's my pitch right nice there. Nice that's going. my pitch, Joey now, Q. So the gibbon uh, is uh, apparently teleported to a to an earth where monkeys rule, and so there's some kind of, he becomes Like the, a planet of planet apes of the or apes something, maybe? Of the Marvel apes, yeah. Interesting. And this is where it differs from a few years ago. Uh, DC had a summer crossover event called JL Ape in which the denizens of Ape City, of Gorilla City, mm-hmm. came out and were changing, were devolving everyone into, sorry for those listening in the Bible Belt, devolving us to our It was intelligent forebears. devolving. Yes, they still maintained right. their brains, but they were dead on, enslaved by, by Grodd. So do you think this is Marvel's kind of way, like they kind of ran their course with Marvel zombies, so now they're kind of like, what's the next 
like weird yeah, wacky because, thing because we can they, do. I think they'd already done Marvel Ninjas and <laughs> now uh, Marvel, Marvel Pirates. Pirates. Marvel Pirates is kind of sixteen oh two. Did they really do Marvel Ninjas? Are you kidding? Oh, no, no they did actually, the anime they, stuff. They did the manga. The oh, manga. okay. I remember and the manga. Spider-Man so was a, Spider-Man was, a was part of a ninja clan. Oh, okay, but I don't remember clan. Marvel Wolverine, and Wolverine was a ninja, so they, they went through but it Wolverine's all. already a ninja. Shh. It was ninja upon ninja. Oh, okay. Yes. Ninja so ninja super violence. secret and so unseen that no one bought it. So... So, uh, yes, Rob Cordray, welcome, Cordway, welcome yeah, to Rob the... Rob Cordray's a celebrity. Rob Cordway is a guy who Cordway, writes welcome to the wonderful world of Marvel trying to get your money. So. Indeed. Mm-hmm. Uh, so another way they're going to try to make you uh, get your money is to actually um, write a comic book that people want to buy. And we were just talking last I'm week... I'm in favor of that. Yes. Uh, we were just talking last week about how Amazing Spider-Man had become kind of a crapshoot in their experiment. And, and it's not a bad experiment, you think about it, of... Of releasing it is it almost is it on a weekly basis? It's pretty much. I think it's three times a month. So three times a month with a different uh, creative team on each story arc, so that one so team can take some time off. Several issues in a row yeah. are one story. So team. the continuity remains, but but this way the best of the creative teams have time to put it together and then release it. Kind of close enough to wait Which, as long. Again, I think that's a good idea. Yeah, isn't but that kind of like Fifty Two did a while kind ago? Of, right? Yeah, but it's been it's been rather hit and miss. And uh, so this this week, uh, I don't know which issue number this is, but you, you know the, t- the know it because of the cover. Spider Man ripping off uh, ripping off Peter Parker's jacket to have like the Venom, uh, the black Spider Man uniform kind of coming out. It's called didn't New, we didn't we just do New this? Ways to Die? Didn't uh, we just do actually, this in but January? But it's actually the Venom. It's actually the tentacles. It's not back in black. It's oh, actually okay. the symbiote. Do you think they could save money on printing uh, new covers by just recycling uh, stuff like that? Oh, I think they do. In fact, okay. I gotta say, uh, you know, on that my, uh, Marvel's advertising, they've got two last variant covers by Michael Turner. Um, and the thing is that somebody, I think Rich Johnston on uh, all, all the or lying in the gutters, his weekly rumor column, uh, f- traced it back that these that this artwork has actually appeared as promotional artwork in other magazines and nice. so forth. And they just recolored it yeah, for gonna... the for Hulk, so it's like yeah, you know, it's yeah, they are saving money by um, well, you know, times are tough, and and, and making more money by saying, look, we've got the last artwork of Michael Turner that they'd already printed while the guy was still alive. Yeah. So, well, they do technically own it. They do. So I'm not. I'm not they saying they do don't. whatever they I'm want. I'm not to. saying they don't. That's 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 and quite true. And they're a mega corporation. Mega. If only the mega mega still existed, we love those dolls. But let's get back to Amazing Spider-Man: New Ways to Die. Here's the creative team. Ready, ready. Mm-hmm. So Dan Slott, who I think is the best of the current writers on the on the Spider-Man arcs. Okay. Dan Slott writing. John Romita Jr. returns to the art for Spider-Man. So Very nice. Get excited. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In the backup slot, Mark Wade writes of writes an Eddie Brock story. Mm-hmm. Oh. And does and this is the thing that where I, I go like I'm not a Venom fan, and yet any time a comic book appears in which I go, wow, I kind of like what they just did with Venom. I'm impressed, and I have to recommend that. And yeah. so I'm saying, New Ways died the first issue so far tackles the problems of Eddie Brock is still run, is, is still around but Mac, he was dying yes before. and so they they address that because they've had in the Spider-Man comic that guy running the homeless shelter who may or may not have faith healing powers yeah and so Eddie Brock is in that homeless shelter so oh. is he going to get cured blah 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 uh, meanwhile you still got Mac Gargan the old former scorpion running Gargan. around with the symbiote Who's yeah. a member of the Thunderbolts? Right. You've got Norman Osborn in charge of the Thunderbolts. What's the most important piece of knowledge that Norman Osborn still has? He knows who Peter Parker is, or who Spider-Man is. The implication who? is, yes, uh, he's just some guy. Uh, there's an implication that he does, and so it's all uh, kind of starting to move together. Thunderbolts, two people that the Venom symbiote would want because if it, because one of the reasons the symbiote left Eddie Brock was he was dying. So if he's not anymore, what's going to you know what's going to happen? And the and the backup story by Wade, if where it's going is where I think it's going, is the backup story makes this heartbreaking. I feel for Eddie Brock, and it's so well done de- yeah. delving into the psychology. As I mean, I'm sure Wade has had his off stories, but I can't think of them offhand. You know, he's just a, he's just such a solid writer. Now I don't Who, read Thunderbolts, but has uh, so the Scorpion's been Venom. Mm-hmm. 
Yes. And, and he's been much more violent than yes. Brock was? Yes. 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 So he'd been much more violent. Uh, he's eaten a couple of people. Arms. Uh, which he, is something he, that, that Bendis has picked up for in the Ultimate Spider-Man books. Venom is back, and that's and they and it was a very gross recent issue. Grotesque in the way that if you realized what was going on, it was you know it was Eddie Brock sitting on a park bench and he's blacking out, and the symbiote's taking over, and he's telling his story. But every time you see the person on the bench, it's somebody different. It's because the symbiote keeps eating whoever sits down next to him. Oh, kind of like a violent Forrest Gump. In a way. Yes. Life is like a box of human parts. <laughs> yes. I want to eat your brain. Delicious. If only you had Venom here for commentary. He's on a tour, book tour right okay, now. Okay, well, of yeah. course. My life is a symbiote. Mm, no, just he's promoting that book you are just talking about right oh, now. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, Brand New Day. Uh, right. No, no. Uh, new Ways to Die. So I got to say, there we were just talking about how uneven it is, and now they're on a, on a roll again. So pick this arc up. It's, it's really good. Um... Legion of Three Worlds, they f- back over to D.C. We go f- to another universe. Uh, Final Crisis tie-in that from the sound of it, from you, Rick, and uh, uh, Dave K. just Dave said K something about I it to me. We, you had we a chance raced. to read it. He gave me a head start. I finished before him. And uh, when did this happen? Uh, today. What time did you guys get in here? I got here about 4.30. Okay. You've been here a long time. Yeah. Okay. So, you didn't know that Rick has the power of a speedster, right? I did not know oh, that because yeah. he speaks so laconically. It's hyper time. Okay. Mm. Uh, but anyway, you guys are, I, I think, if I'm... He tapped I'm, into my speed for I'm reading time. your... <laughs> that's, is that a euphemism? Uh, if what? I'm reading uh, your reactions correctly without getting actual articulation out of it, I'm thinking that final cri- this is a Final Crisis tie-in that you guys are really recommending. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's funny because we were looking at, looking at the book and somebody said, well, how many issues is that? Three? Or no, it's five. But it's written out legions, a legion of three worlds with the number three above one of five. Whereas the rogues that tie gets very in, confusing. The rogues tie-in is three issues. Yeah. So you're like expecting these things to, but maybe they're pacing against how much story they actually have to tell. Well, wouldn't that, that would be, be amazing. So, so you've got Jeff Johns writing with George, George Perez, Perez doing the artwork. Oh yeah, love George Perez, just cramming now, it. Now I don't remember. Did Perez have a legion run? I don't think he ever did. I don't think so. I don't. So I don't this is so. this is comics history. If you're yeah. a Perez fan, this is the one multi-membered group of superheroes that George Perez has never drawn. Yeah, and in one issue, they really get all the different variants of the the Legion, the origin, the brand tie-in, the, you know. Wow, I'm, so, I'm, I'm, I'm it, very excited to read is this. Is this a relaunch of the Legion now? No, or? no, no, no. It's a story. It's, a, it's pulling Superman Prime or Superboy Prime, and they refer to him as Superboy a it's number legal of again. times. It's through. legal again. Okay, yes. so... So it's illegal to call him. They a boy. call him Superboy, and he says, "I'm Superman," and you know, okay, back and yeah. forth. It's, I'm a man. It starts with him. I mean, mm-hmm. he is the prime force, the prime force through the I know. through no the pun issue. Intended. I, yeah. Go ahead. If, if you say no pun intended, it doesn't work. Um, anyway. Shame on you, Derek. So uh, what? How did this turn around on me? He no, was no, the no, one no, who made no, the bad no. pun. Yeah. I didn't do it intentionally. It was not so oh, Superman Boy Prime. Yeah, so Superman he's coming, Boy. That's what I'm gonna call him. Coming, he's. It starts off with the Time Trapper, of course. Of course. Off in the distant future, who manipulates things. So Superboy comes crashing down in like the year three thousand, um, ready to uh, experience uh, a futuristic Smallville and a, a brilliant because they really they work in all this lore of Superman and Jimmy Olsen and stuff as he's going through this library of of statues of the all the Superman villains and then they get to the Legion to tell the story of Superman and the Legion in the future. So he gets really upset and he basically destroys his world and then it brings in the Legion. I won't tell too much more about it but uh, I appreciate because I did buy it I you know and I, I'm excited to read it. Yeah and, and I'm but, looking forward to Jeff bringing um like I know him well, uh, Jeff Johns bringing in the Legion appearing on Smallville this year too. Yeah, he, I have a question. Yeah, Superboy Prime, Superman Boy Prime, 
What's his like motivating arc right now? Because before, like, it was a Final Crisis, or whatever. He wanted to find his world, right, he's, or something. He's and, just vengeance right now. But now, now he's just evil villain yeah, messing stuff Superman. up. He hates Superman. He wants to make. Uh, so and, now and, and I would say it's, it's Legion of Three Worlds. It's suddenly explaining all. You know, it, it's trying to explain the three different versions of the Legion of Superheroes, which are alternate Earths. That so I, I I could even see that he's still probably got in the back of his head. He wants to be the Superman, the one hero, right? Of or, the world. or in fact, he might be want, maybe wants has accepted the fact that he's a villain because when he's in, I'll do a little spoiler here. When he's in the museum, this is a spoiler, spoiler alert. For the, if you don't want to hear spoiler this, alert. jump forward two minutes. Okay. So he goes to the to the uh, to the museum and he sees all this hall of villains. He's not there. So he asks, he's being led around by a hologram. Ah. He's being led around by a hologram of Jimmy Olsen. So he says, where am so I? this is literate. This is, like, this is like Satan in Paradise Lost. So Jimmy takes him back to this back storage room where that's where his statue okay, is. Okay, stop right there. I don't want to. Oh, their statue is. Okay. Right. Okay. So, so, he's, so that thoroughly torques him. And he, he so wait, he got thoroughly him. torqued in a back storage room? Yeah. Well, by yeah. Jimmy Olsen? By, by Jimmy, Jimmy Olsen? Olsen? Yes. Wow. I want to buy this book. Thanks. Go. Well, good. It's right up your alley. Uh, it's Satan's right up somebody's alley. alley. <laughs> okay. So, Woo. Talk yeah, I, about a final crisis. George Perez. It's the perfect book for Perez. I mean, you've got people crammed into every panel of this book and just... We need to move to the next great. comic, I think. <laughs> so... Uh, yeah, well, let's let's go back in time. And we've gone forward a thousand years. Let's go back in time to a book that Lon will have nothing to say about. I will, though. Which is a, a trade paperback I was there. Oh, yeah. from IDW. Yep. Um, journey. Is that the Adventures of Don't Wolverine McAllister? Believe yes. in. No, that kind okay. of journey? Oh. No. Uh, it's written in, and drawn by uh, William Messner Loves. Yes. Uh, who uh, was the guy who was in charge of actually, he launched Wally West's career as The Flash post-crisis. Uh, so he's kind of a, a writer, a comic book talent who's kind of fallen out of favor with the fans. In fact, one of the reasons that uh, the Hero Initiative, back when it was called Actor, was formed was because he w- was the first who his medical bills were so great. And there was I think he became homeless for a short t- period of time because it had been so long since he had had work uh, in the comics industry. And not because his uh, talent had gone away, but because... Really, it is cyclical, and they say, you know, no matter what age you are when you start, you have about 10 good years as a fan favorite, and then somebody else comes along. And, uh, and if you're awesome. lucky, we're, you know, we are coming, we're treating those old, older pros a little better. And this is a step. This is his breakthrough work. Yeah. Talk about it. You read it far more. Far I read more it back it when I it was did. originally being published. In uh, like that was the in the 19th century, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. it was in uh, you know, me. I would sit wood beside cuts. the gaslight. Yes, reading, reading the woodcuts. Reading the woodcuts. Oh, I get it because he's old? Yeah. Okay. It. So uh, this is a volume one of Journey by IDW. It is about 400. It's more than 400 pages long. It represents the first 16 issues Okay, of now, the but book. length doesn't mean it's quality. Oh, but it is quality. <laughs> I think that you know Lon, it actually is kind of thick too. I think that Lon and store owner of Elusive uh, Comics and Games Anna Warren need to go someplace else. Go and have a burger together. or something. I yeah, she, together. I, what? Yes. Um, it's a black and white. It was black and white then. It's black and white now. It's a very nicely drawn, pure pen and ink kind of stuff. There is a little bit of uh, of what do they call it? Screening. Yeah, I always thought it was Zipatone. I always thought that he was. Uh, Kind of a quirky artist, but it was definitely a style all its own. Nobody else was drawn like William. Is this a writer artist? He He was. Now, but most of his fame since Journey has been as a writer. No, but is this he written, wrote, and draw this? Okay. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I modify, I'm gonna modify what I said earlier. Earlier, I said he was, he was very much a cross between Bernie Wrightson and Mike Plug. In the kind of fluid, that kind was of off, fleshy off the looking. podcast. That was before the podcast, right? Yeah. Right. And but I'm going to throw in Will Eisner as well. A lot of the, I, the kind of the kind fair. of panel design, and but I, I do think he looks panels. very much like himself. There's yeah. nobody else drawing like him. No, no. So and I think and Lon, uh, you know, please try not to make any tastes too. I think one of the reasons he stopped drawing is because he did lose an arm. Ah, you know what's okay. funny though is you I, you were flipping through these first couple pages and I see a little bit of Frank Miller Sin City right there. Yeah, you but can he see predates it. that. Yeah, yeah. By, quite a bit. You're talking about the lights and darks and the rain. Just the, the inking, so, yeah. yeah. So, so this is this is the story of Wolverine McAllister, who is a backwoodsman, and uh, 
I guess it was to be like in the 1800s. Yeah, it was, I know it was a 19th century frontier story. Yeah, and in a lot of this, it's just a guy wandering through the wilderness, having various kind of in in context adventures. He encounters a bear. Or one of my favorite stories: he wakes up and he's covered in fleas. And so, you know, what do you do when you're covered with fleas out in the back? You don't have a washer, dryer, or whatever. Scratch. So what he what he actually does is he takes all his clothes off, and he and then he goes and finds a lake or something. But now the fleas are still all over his 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 uh, buckskins and stuff, and still in there. So he lays those out on top of an ant hill because the ants will go after the fleas. And it's just one of those things where you go, that probably was a bit of knowledge that he researched and found out about these mountain men and what they would do in certain circumstances. The mountain does funny things to a man. And like Cerebus, which this this book was about the same time as Cerebus was ramping up, and Mm -hmm. there are very interesting side characters that show up. Well, that's it, but that's how I encountered Journey in the first place. I think that uh, Dave Sim printed three or four very short stories in the back of Cerebus. Yeah, I just I, I was which I through. was reading at the time, you know. So and who was this? You're going to recognize this guy right off the bat. I can't remember. He was right there. Who is that? Isn't That's that somebody. Normal Man? Normal Man, right, right, right. So Normal, normal Man, man shows that made a crossover. Normal Man from Valentino. Um, right. Yeah. So, and it, which it, is also a great twelve issue miniseries. I don't know if that's got a, a, a trade on the stands yet or not. But right, you know, if there was ever a geek Jeopardy, I would so put my money on you. I you keep saying that. I so want to see that. But anyway, I uh, highly recommend this book. Very entertaining. A very a big departure from comic uh, from costume heroes or any of the noir stuff that's coming out. You know, historical what? novel. Well, funny. pretty much before its time, improving that American comics. Uh, could do that. You yeah. know, could that comics can cover any genre, which is now, I mean, obviously that has been discovered, it has, you know, and that finally is carrying some weight. Seems like it has a very into the wild type feel. Definitely. With, definitely. with people who like that maybe like this book. Probably. It's going to be a little bit more, obviously, it's going to be a little, a little bit more, more Grizzly Adams kind of. More, more character story driven because mm-hmm. he does interact with a lot of people. And, but what a value. It had 400 pages for 20 bucks. And yeah, I think I'm going to have to put that on my wish list Just on a great, Amazon. Great all, absolutely. all around. So, you know, absolutely. And that's from IDW Publishing IDW. out of San Diego. So let's... Just came know. into Elusive Comics and Games today. Okay. Well, so I'm sure it came into so lots of places. So journey into Elusive Comics and pick up... No? You guys? Okay. Don't stop believing. Go ahead. Okay. Anyway, when the lights go down on the lawn... Uh, we're going to go with uh, the, another IDW product because I, I had talked about this to, to Rick a few weeks ago. Do the IDW people know you're doing this? Because they will now. They should. They should. Uh, Rick just caught up on a, on a Star Trek spinoff book, Assignment Earth, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm actually not fin- – there was a four-issue series that I just got last week. Okay. And I was on vacation, but I read through the first two. And this was uh, Assignment Earth, which was the spinoff of Star Trek, of one episode – um, can't remember the name of the episode. Was uh, it Assignment th- Earth? Assignment Earth. Oh, okay, okay. Right, right, That's right. why it's called Assignment Earth. That right. Oh, the name of the I'll show. tell you why it gets confusing. Because they used the other episode where they went back into the second. Right. The 60s in the too, second, yes. in the second uh, issue of it, they tie the first time travel story into the second time travel story. That just blew my mind. It gets a little confusing. That's the one where they. But it was a clever take, and I think the most astounding thing about this serious for us because we've certainly considered this guy kind of like one of the biggest a-holes in the comics industry. John Byrne writing and drawing this adaptation. I don't consider him that. I, I love John Byrne. As, okay, as a, well, I don't know, I don't him, know him as a person, but, but well, I, enjoy I love his comics. Every, he has a prickly done. reputation. Let's okay. do it that way. All right. but, uh, and that I've was got Derek a, McCaw, John Byrne, oh, if you're listening. Great. So he's going to punch me. Great. And he's colorblind. You know. If you do place. punch Derek, can you wait till I'm there so I can watch it? Thank you. John I did know that you've mentioned that before because yeah. Tim Sale is colorblind as well. Yeah. We've talked about that. So, Tim Sale, if you want to punch Derek too, let me no, know. No, I'm just oh. saying he's colorblind. I'm not saying I like Tim Sale. Ow! Okay, anyway. Okay. Uh, so, so uh, characterization is a nice follow-on to the uh, to the characters that were in the original series. You've got the Terry Gar character whose name is Roberta Lincoln. That's one that we've not been able to come up with before. And then the mm. Gary Seven character who continually explains that he's, he was taken from Earth and trained by another another 
planet. The right. This was a backdoor back. pi- originally a backdoor pilot on Star Trek. It was supposed to be a spinoff. It would have been a great spinoff because these guys have. It would have been. It would have been. Are, they are grounded on Earth, but they have teleportation what technology. What I really and- love about the art was John Byrne is not an artist that I would think of as being able to do uh, to assign to an adaptation. Yeah. But it looks like Robert Lansing. It does. I can see it as Terry Garr yep. and his Kirk and his Spock, his Star Trek characters are really show good. up really briefly. The, the look, costumes, the costumes kind of drape over them, and they're not like tight. You don't see the musculature under right. the, the, somebody else might do. It looks like the guys that were on the TV show. I wouldn't have thought of John Byrne as the perfect artist for this, but he is the perfect artist for yeah. it. Oh, it makes you not hate him so much anymore. No, I do don't hate him. Oh, okay. Right? I would recommend it as a start as a longtime Star Trek fan. It'll probably get traded. It'll be a good trade to pick up as well. Yeah. So. Yeah, absolutely. So IDW boy, you got a push from us this week. We're gonna have to email their PR people. We we are. Um wanna go to a comic book writer who uh has also alternates as a New York Times best selling novelist who's got a novel. Uh, Mick Foley? Yes. Oh, okay. uh, no, Mick doesn't write comic books. Oh, you're right. No, but Brad Meltzer does. I was going to say the Anita Blake chick. What was her name again? Uh, Laurel K. Hamilton. Laurel K. Hamilton? No. Oh, okay. But you, well, because she doesn't actually write the comics. Her husband writes the comics. Dang. So Straight uh, two. Yeah, well, gee. Brad really? Meltzer? Only two. Only two. <laughs> <laughs> Only two. Is it, is it Brad Meltzer? It is Brad Meltzer. Ding, ding, Brad ding, Meltzer, ding, ding. who came into comics after being I, one of those weird coincidences in life. He was a best-selling novelist. And uh, his college roommate was Judd Winnick. And so it was kind of like, oh, well, Judd's doing comics. I'll do comics. He followed in after and, and wrote that. Uh, wrote his coattails. Huh? Follow, followed Kevin Smith on Green Arrow. And so what he, he writes a, an arc of, of storylines where he wrote Identity Crisis. And he alternates. One year he will research and write his novel and promote that. And then he'll go in and write uh, comics. Well, I think he's speeding Must it up. Must be nice. I think he's speeding it up a little bit because he's got one of the Final Crisis tie-ins uh, okay. coming in, There's, and which I think is it's must be coming out next week, um, which is last like Last Will and Testament. So all the superheroes have like the final night before they're going to face off against the uh, gods of Apocalypse. Okay. And and it's what they, if this was your, their last night on Earth, what are their wishes? What are one they leaving behind? One more day. One more day. Oh, gosh. And then Mephisto comes. <laughs> And takes away Lois and Clark's love. Oh. That's awful. What I'm really talking about, though, is that in two weeks, he's going to be, on the stands will be his latest novel, The Book of Lies, uh, which ties in, I, I reviewed on the site, so you can read my review on, on Fanboy Planet, but also, uh, I wanted to talk about it here, it's an interesting uh, suspense novel, and I mean this as a positive, it's like The Da Vinci Code, for comic book fans, okay. and if you are a fan of the Da Vinci Code, it's a heck of a lot better. So I wanted to praise it right because I didn't like, I couldn't put my finger on why I thought the Da Vinci Code was a bad novel, but How's an interesting story. What's, what's the uh, what's the premise? The story is the premise is two de- it's two separate things. Uh, of course, that uh, the Bible never actually mentions what weapon Cain used to kill Abel. It just says that the first you know the first murder happens. Used irony, headbutt. So, uh, so this, the, so what the weapon is apparently okay. lost a time, and a lot of biblical scholars have been trying to figure out what could he have used. We everybody assumes a rock, but it's not actually mentioned. Okay, that here it's not like he ten, killed him with kindness. It's ten lines in it Genesis. It is the Bible. It is. Ten, it's ten lines in Genesis, and and Brad Meltzer did a lot of research on you know all the mistranslations that have happened over the years and the assumptions made about when they translated the Bible, Old Testament into Greek, that kind of thing, and, and going back and talk with a lot of rabbis. So it's a really interesting. For me, from that standpoint, but he ties it in with uh, Mitchell Siegel, who was Jerry Siegel's father, was the victim of an unsolved shooting in 1932. <gasps> and so the creation of Superman is the result, or at least as far as Brad Meltzer is concerned, is the result of a young boy dealing with the murder of his father. And so he creates a bulletproof man as his, as his hero to, to save... You know, to kind of like work right. out the thing, and so, so then Superman fights Jesus. How does no, no, this go? No, 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 no. because actually, actually, there is a lost, there is a lost Superman story that they found a, they found one page to that they had done in Jerry Siegel's lifetime. He had said, you know, that the one we saw in Action Comics number one was it. That was it. Never mentioned his father in an interview. Never mentioned this thing. Told half the family that his father died of a heart attack. So there's these really weird things that that. 
that are actually true. Not only did was his father killed, you know, in a shooting, but the next day there was an art, there was a letter to the editor of on vigilantism by a man named Luther. Ooh. And so there's all these like little things he's tying together and saying, what if you know there, that these two things are connected? This lost weapon of Cain. And so you're saying the lost where, weapon of Cain killed Jerry Siegel's no, dad? No, no, no what, but, it was a, but it's involved in a big, big biblical and global conspiracy and the secret societies and. Uh, but, but the thing is, in Siegel's lifetime, he had never acknowledged that there was, as now has come out, that there was a short story called Reign of the Superman, in which Superman was a villain. Oh. And that was a short story that Joe Schuster uh, illustrated for him. And then they had a version in between the story in Action Comics and the short story that they claimed they had torn up. But then someone found, a, found the cover. Where Superman, the only power he appears to have is strength and right is bulletproof. Now you've lost me. Is this in the story? No, this is this is in, this is in this real, real life. Okay. So you know it's traced and it's it's just really really fascinating stuff and it's all tied and it all becomes this big biblical conspiracy. And but I already know how it's going to end. How's it going to end? Well, it's, none of it's true because it's a book of lies. So I'm going to read this whole thing and then oh, be all wow. pff, really whatever. I can't I can't have him replaced. Are you sure? It's his contract. Where's Garcia? Or I could I get a fine a finer gray uh, grade of sandpaper. S- go uh, buy book of lies everybody on the shelves now. So when is is it out now? It's coming out on September 2nd. Okay. Uh, well, the one thing I really want to tout that there's been a lot and and he's released like a promotional is trailer. Is a hardback coming out? Yeah. So okay. He's released a promotion, promotional trailer where Joss Whedon and Brian K. Vaughn and uh, I think one of the guy from one, uh, one of the guys from Lost, maybe Damon Lindelof, get interviewed about about this, where they're claiming that this the Book of Lies turns out to be is like this lost book of the Bible, uh-huh. and there's this hunt, and so they're you know, which is why I think it's like a lot, lot like the Da Vinci Code, except that it's also dealing with thematic depth. It's not just about Uncovering, look at this. What isn't this a neat idea for a story? There's also a lot of you know real characterization and depth to it. But as a result of this novel, uh, Brad, uh, result of his research, and the other thing that's happened to Brad Meltzer this year is that his mother passed away from cancer, uh, and it's definitely about parents and children and all that kind of thing. Is he started a foundation for um, charity work to be kind of a low level. Um, you know, a kind of a clearinghouse. If you've got something going on in your community to support, you can post there, and people that are aware of it, it's called OrdinaryPeopleCanChangeTheWorld.com. So it's just get it gotten, gotten its launch within the last few weeks because there's not very much in the way of posting. I checked it out last night. and But it's like if you're doing a cancer walk, well, here, you know, here's a, so there's one place where you can go and say, I, I want to donate to a cancer charity in my in my uh, area boom you know this is a place to find it city year which asks students to donate a year uh, in service to their city uh-huh. you know is is there so it's kind of, it's kind of a nice idea um, and so he's turning his what what you may say as the writer of comic books and novels you know it's not like high fame but you know he's he's trying to put it to good use and so I think it's definitely worth talking, uh, touting here that you know he's he's not just you know writing and going buy cool. my comics. It's you know hey do something in your community and give back. So that's September second. Cool. So what? September second. We look for the sausage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So all right, cool. check it out. Yeah. So let's go to movies. Ordinary people can't change the world when it comes to movie studios arguing over who owns the rights to comic books. I own. You own the rights to Watchmen. Yes. I do. yes. That's going to throw a huge monkey wrench into. Wonder I own Brothers the plans. rights to Watchmen. I'm Spartacus. I'm Malcolm X. Uh, so in March, we're supposed to get the adaptation of the most acclaimed graphic novel of all time, right? The Dark Knight Returns from Warner Brothers. Now, oh, no, from you know Watchmen. Oh, right. however, uh, sometime last year, and, and Lon, I think you and I had talked. We about We discussed on the podcast. this on the podcast, so, and we even said, like, just wait and we'll see because there's going to be a lawsuit. And guess what? There's a lawsuit. Century Fox. We know what we need. We need our intern Stephanie Rodriguez to go through the archives and uh, tell yeah, us what exactly, episode that exactly is. Exactly was Stephanie you have an assignment this week. School doesn't actually class doesn't begin until next Thursday. Right. Find so, that uh, episode. So uh, yeah, uh, Fox filed lawsuit and the judge at least in the first because you know these things they go through appeals up Fox higher Pictures. and higher. Fox Fox, Fox Studios. Studios Fox Studios. Yeah. You know the judge's name actually? No. Adrian Veidt. Surprisingly enough, yeah. That is a lie, but that's a, that's very <laughs> clever. Lon just made an actual literate reference. He did. Oh, wow. Surprise. Uh, okay. Anyways. He's the world's smartest moron. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> I like that. 
Ah, uh, the smell so, of him. So go on. Uh, so anyway, a judge ruled in favor of 20th Century Fox. I don't think it's 20th Century, so Fox Studios. Yeah. Ruled in favor of them and said, yes, they did have complete and total control of the rights to Watchmen as a film. And that Warner Brothers should not have gone forward and made, made this adaptation. And this comes from, like, they had bought out the assets of some production company in the early 90s, and Watchmen was part of that deal. I would think there was an expiration. On the other hand, you'd think that Warner would have had, had better a legal lawyers. Team, yeah. A yeah. legal team that would have checked this out, especially when they hadn't paid attention and let other studios I, I had read the, adapt their... Didn't the you know, article it's, say it's something? It's always easier to get forgiveness, forgiveness than, than permission. permission. Really, I find it's always more expensive. Okay. Didn't the... Uh, you, you're married a long time. You know that. I know. But didn't the lawsuit <laughs> say something about Warner owned certain rights and then the other company owned... I think they owned the rights to the owl ship. No. Uh, no, I, but you I know what know. I'm saying? That's, I, yeah. like, the lawsuit said that the, the reason why Warner thought they could go through with it because they thought that they had, they had certain rights and that 20th Century guess, Fox is well, saying that they don't... Basically, I think the th- the argument is is that no nobody has a hundred percent rights. No one did due diligence, and I'm sure one of the reasons that Warner moved forward was they published the graphic novel. Okay, so fans aren't concerned about much of anything except for is the movie still going to come out? It's going to come out, but who's going to get all the paychecks? Is what? Well, it's a big vision because Not here me. because here's the thing. So, Legendary Pictures, I think. It put up like twenty five percent of the financing. So already that's a chunk gone from Warner Brothers. Apparently, see, and this is where it just, I, and I, I thought this, Paramount had at one time was going to adapt, adapt it. 20th Century Fox kept their mouths shut through that. Uh, so they didn't Paramount, actually produce anything. So Paramount has uh, worldwide distribution. So Warner Very only nice. has This film domestic. is bringing people together everywhere. Everywhere. You know, and I, I do have the bloody smiley face button that Paramount handed out at WonderCon three years ago when they were going to do it. Who watches? Paul Greengrass was going to be the director with a David Hayter script. The Watchmen. Who watches people. The Watchmen? Who watches The Who Watchmen watches, legal team? That's what I was going to say. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I finished. Does okay. that mean they have to drink? No, no, you did okay. it before. But we don't expect this to delay the film at all. And we'll fans I, too know. much is in place. Yeah. Too much is in place. It's just going to be resolved with money tra- changing hands. Yeah, every, you know what it is? It's, it's going to be like, brought to you by Fox, Paramount. Legendary Pictures, Kaleidoscope, I uh, take Chuck this, E. Cheese. I want to take I, this moment that, to say that a place that you could buy your copy of Watchmen, which is, we noted last week, has sold 200,000 copies since the trailer came out with The Dark Knight, so, you know, July 20th, 19th. It's amazing. Uh, you can buy that here at Elusive Comics and Games, which is having a sale on Saturday, August 25th. Uh, so you'll probably be listening to this after the sale took no, place, though. You know, just in case. I'm just putting it out there. Uh, it's a big part. sale with a lot of percentage off. Uh, and fun and games. And, and Anna's top will be 50% off, too. Oh, so come in for that. dear heavens. Uh, and they're selling Webkins, people. Come in and buy some Webkins. Anyway, that's Please, the, for Derek. Oh, please, buy Webkins. Because I thought it would be a great idea for the store to sell Webkins stuffed animals. And How's that going? They haven't sold a one. But you know what? You can't sell it if you keep it in a cupboard where nobody sees it. Uh, that's true. So uh, that's my... If that's your light's my, hidden under a bushel. Exactly. Yeah. Well, thank you, Deuteronomy. Uh, so... I didn't want to compare you with the actual, you uh-huh. know, Jesus. All right, so what's next? Uh, what's next are movies, movie news. Movie news. Uh, so there are three uh, uh, movies of interest opening this week. Opening this week. Before we get to the one that we all want to argue about, The Clone Wars, I'm going to tease. We've got Hamlet 2, written by one of the people from South Park, Pam Brady, the woman on the writing team, uh, and uh, starring Steve Coogan. Uh, about a dra- high school drama teacher. Yeah, it hurts. This movie hurts me. In, in the, the trailer for this hurts. Have you it, seen the trailer for this thing? Uh, no, I haven't seen the trailer, but I've seen the movie. Oh, so okay. uh, it's it's an uneven film. I'm going to say, but it does, but it does have its laughs, and okay. it's really uh, and it is a film. I mean, it's definitely there's a lot to think about in it. But it's about a high school, the world's worst high school teacher. Who, in order to save his drama program, decides that he's going to delve deep into his soul and oh, write? Oh, that's why you liked it. Hamlet Two. You had a lot uh, to connect with. Yes, okay. uh, which of course has had apparently a hit on YouTube, a hit song called "Rock Me, Sexy Jesus." So I, I, I admit it. I'm going to admit it's a, it's an uneven film. It's it's not nearly as funny as I wanted it to be from the wrongness of the trailer and from the wrongness of that song "Rock Me, Sexy Jesus." Uh, it's entertaining, but I'm gonna I'm gonna say right now I I'm recommending people wait till video. Then we have the remake of Death Race, 
titled Death Race. Death I Race saw 2000 that film when it first came out. I was in there in the theater like 71. Yeah, I hear it's not actually a remake. I hear no, it's an, it's another reimagined. I heard technically it could be per- perceived as a prequel, sort of like the Rollerball. Uh, I never saw second, that, but it, that's what they say is the second the second version of Rollerball really could work as a prequel for. The, the one with James Conn. Interesting. Interesting. So, uh, and I didn't get to see Death Race this week, so I don't know. We're going into this one blind. I want to say this much. But it's Jason Statham. How bad could it be? Dude, okay. Jason Statham is like this generation's Van Damme, pretty much. And uh, I used to go to every... Well, I know you did. I used to go to every Van Damme movie at the can old I Meridian Quad can I, can around I the corner. Something? Sure, Vaughn? go that, ahead. That explains a lot. Dude, I was in for some serious Van Damage, okay? I so yeah. I'm all about that. So into bad but puns but and we'll, the we'll stay language. this though. We'll say this is that Statham's a better actor and this is true. a better you know gets usually better prod projects. Except that what was that Dragon Lord one or whatever that was a, I didn't see that. Uh, in the name of the king. Yeah, or, yeah something, or like, something that. like that. So I mean, his agent isn't the best, but I mean Statham's pretty good. But uh, I, I actually want to see that movie. I mean, dude. Right, yeah. Cars, guns, no explosions, yeah, you know, no, I, hot I, I, chicks. I mean, what, I'm with you. What I'm else do you, you put into a movie? And Joan Allen. David Carradine. I said hot chicks. Okay, David Carradine. Well, see, that's the thing is, you know, that Death Race 2000 is such yeah, a, Frankenstein, a, a magnificently like, cheesy film. Oh, yeah. Uh, which I don't think Lon has actually seen. I think we'd have that no. to Although I heard about it. I heard that it's just pretty violent and wrong. and yeah, like Grindhouse style yeah. movie. It's a Roger I, Corman film. They I blow, see it. They blow all their budget on a matte painting at the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> one shot where it's like, wow, That's there are the effects, city. and then nothing ever. Yeah. Really <laughs> and you're in the desert outside of L.A. for the rest of the film. That's awesome. Uh, and then the other thing uh, actually opens today is the so Wednesday, uh, The Rocker. Which uh, was a real, real surprise. That to, was to that's me. like a reimagining too, right? Or uh, a reimagining of what? Rock and roll. The roller? I don't no, know. No, uh, it's a uh, Rain Wilson, who's Dwight Schrute on The Office, uh, plays the drummer uh, for a band called Vesuvius, which kicks him out in order to get a record deal. So he spends twenty years getting bitter and can't function in society, and then he uh, steps in to be the drummer for his nephew's. Oh, now high school we know band. why you liked it. Yeah, uh huh. Yeah, you can relate to it. No, I can absolutely. Uh, so it actually, it was kind of a surprisingly warm did comedy. Did you see this? Yes, I did. Okay. I saw it last week, and I thought uh, I I didn't know what to think going in because I, I really hadn't seen anything on it, and uh, I thought the music was was really good. And uh, so it's got some depth. It's got it, yeah. It was okay, it was, it was really funny. They're, the ads for this are pushing it as like a wacky comedy, wacky teen comedy yeah. almost. Yeah, and there's parts of it where I feel like that that was kind of. Where they were going to go? Well, good because that's they, why. I like. So it's more and, like and almost famous. What I felt was it turned out when I, I researched the director, I kind of looked back and I said, "I know that I know that guy's name, Peter Cataneo, and he was the director of The Full Monty." Oh. And that's what I feel is like suddenly somebody has taken that kind of quirky British comedy feel. And oh, suc- I'm gonna hate it. And yeah, you are, and successfully put it into an American. Um, you know, rock and roll story. So you recommend this in theaters? I do recommend this in theaters. Uh, I'm not going to say it's a great film, but I was really surprised by it. I think it's a fun date movie, and what I know would you some put of our listeners must. Clone Wars. Wait, wait, let's not go to Clone Wars yet. Uh, no, we're going to go to Clone Wars now because I because, right now because okay. La- because Rick threw it down and I'm right there. The gauntlet. I. Uh, I my gauntlet's made. I would say if, if you are choosing between the Clone Wars or the Rocker, you shouldn't even be listening to this podcast because <laughs> I don't want to talk to you. Okay, uh, because the Rocker is not, is much better. But wait, how would that work? If you're listening to this podcast and you're going to choose the Rocker, if you're listening to this podcast, wouldn't you assume they were going to choose the Clone Wars? You're right. You've caught me in my logic. Ha-ha! Oh, Moriarty. Ha-ha! Oh, Professor Moriarty, you've undone me again. Yes, Mr. Bond. Zip me back up. No. Okay. Anyway, go ahead. So, uh, Clone Wars. You want to go into that now? Let's All right, go let's into throw that. it down. Boom, throw it down. There it is. Why can't George Lucas get out of one, two, and three? Take it beyond six. Do not hang around in this loser universe he created. I'm tired of it. Okay. Lon? Wait, I want your reaction next because I'm going to have to defend it. No, I, I, I said it is for kids. And the kids. 
are dazzled by design, whatever, fine. I, I gave a big review last week. I mean, I think one of the things that I, I thought I liked the art direction in it, I thought it was cool from the trying to make it look like Jerry Anderson's Super Marionation. Uh, you know, I mean, it was kind of, well, at least I got that, that they were trying to do it. I just, I just, I've had this problem with, with going into the backstory in the first place. Darth Vader, really cool character. Anakin Skywalker, I don't want to see as a whiny little boy. I don't want to see as a whiny teenager. But the Anakin Skywalker in the animated Stupid Clone arguments. Wars. Stupid Clone arguments Wars. they have in this thing. Yeah, well, it is, but it's kids. It's kids we got level two minutes. Dialogue. Let's spend 15 seconds of it arguing about how we talk because about you each can, other. Because you can tell that this is three episodes of a show yeah. edited together. I don't think anybody should pay money to see this in the theater because it's going to be on Cartoon Network. But I'm going to let my kid DVR it you know, and watch it and, and have a good time. My kid's four. I can't decide if the mistake we've all made as fans is that Star Wars was always aimed at kids and we accidentally thought it should mean more or if it did really mean more and Lucas just blew it. It meant more. I don't know. Episodes so, 4, 5, and 6 meant I will a lot tell more. you that Star Wars, my, my experience through Star Wars has made me just go, you know what? Nothing is that important. Hmm. And I and it has killed a lot of my of my being rabid about anything because it's like I'll tell you one thing when, I'm tired of the things just, I love turning around and burrowing into my stomach like a Spartan kid carrying a rabid weasel. When Justin was That's old enough reference. to be listening to bedtime stories, I read him a number of the Star Wars juvenile novels. Okay, they were more mature. Better thought out but, stories, but Lucas didn't write movie. those. Right? No, he didn't. Right? Yeah, so that's fan fiction. But pretty I'm, much. what I'm saying is, you well, do not have to write though. a bad story to appeal to kids. No. Well, okay. Here and I, if he had taken those that dark, that lost fleet, whatever that's that, uh, what's Peter J. Anderson or Timothy, Timothy Zahn wrote? Right. The stuff that happens right after Dark Command, six. And, yeah, yeah, Dark yeah. Empire. Yeah, which fans? Uh, it's of, not Dark Empire. That's a different uh, comic book franchise. But uh, fans have wanted that for years. Those were good. Yeah. Uh, those I read those novels. They were good. Yeah. Okay, but see, here's what's going on, and this is what I've been noticing with this: the Clone Wars is people are bringing their baggage, their own right. Star Wars baggage, to this property, and then they're judging it with such an iron fist. It's like, dude, it's it's a Star Wars TV show no, I'll, I'll aimed at back. kids. And I had I had. No hope for it at first, mm-hmm. and then after learning a little bit about it, I mean, I was turned around last time we were here mm-hmm. before I saw it because of Michelle. And I and and I he did have that little sparkle was, in his eye. You was, learned what I, was, I learned long ago. Don't listen to him. I walked <laughs> I walked into that theater thinking I was going to have a great time. I did not go in there predisposed to saying, "Oh God, what wasted potential." Michelle, but but you know, afterwards, though, I know you're listening from a hospital bed in Tokyo. Well, here, here's my thing. I watched. I don't know it, he's in a hospital bed, but I know he's in. But Tokyo. it doesn't have anything to do with the the stormtroopers, and you know, it's it's just I'm so tired of the. I mean, he's just reusing the designs and the characters. Okay, from that, well, but that here's series. the thing, though. It's it's not a movie. It's three episodes of this show, and here here's the positives. A, I thought it was cool in the in the sense that this is stuff that was made for television. And I got to see it on a really big screen with a yeah. really nice sound. So all the Save explosions up a and like, bucks, you can do that, right? It's, it's, well, I'm just saying. I thought that was kind of a cool kind of experience. Um, you I've know, been in your apartment. Get yourself a 52 inch screen. You'll be fine. It's the same since thing. Since I knew it was a, a cartoon, I was kind of like, okay, whatever. It's going to be for kids. I mean, there were the annoying parts. Her calling R2 R2E. You know, that was kind of sky stupid. guy. Yeah, yeah, those were names. But it, at the same time, I realize that, you know, when you're creating a product geared for kids, you're trying to relate to oh, your absolutely. audience. So it it's was like, a kid's movie, and on that level, I'm And then I'm you just let that. it go, and that's, you know, and so, but I mean, for me, it's like, what do I want out of a clone? Okay, here's the thing. If we accept the premise that, okay, Clone Wars is happening in this universe in the first three episodes, whatever we think about the first three episodes, that's fine. But so if you're going to this movie, you have to pretty much accept... Okay, I'm watching the Clone Wars now. This is what I'm saying. So all I, I want out of a Clone Wars movie is some clone troopers shooting and getting killed and blowing up and all the vehicles flying around and lightsaber and battles. And you want to buy the action figures. And right, I trust, and that's what I got. And I trust that my kids don't listen to this podcast and I'm not going to breathe a word of my problems with the Star Wars franchise and let to them my decide. kids. I, absolutely. Okay. I had one thing, though, I just remembered, and I wanted to bring this up at the podcast. 
You're remember, coming out. Remember how last week? Oh, it actually kind of has something to do with that. Um, oh my heavens! Last, I just thought of the newest Star Wars action figure character, and I'm going to pitch it right now. Okay, remember how last week you talked about the clone troopers all having uh, different, different hair, different hairstyles, hair styles or whatever. Yeah. Now, okay, everything in the Star Wars universe is done by a droid, right? So that means there's a hairdresser droid out there somewhere. <laughs> So I mean, can you imagine that hairdresser? Okay, sit down, clone. <laughs> oh, your your split ends are terrible. Uh, you know, <laughs> it's like the the robot and Wally that uh, goes crazy. <laughs> the hair, yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, basically, it's like, can you imagine the hairdresser droid? I I totally want that action the figure. The Paul now. Mitch L. <laughs> <laughs> I've been working on that for a minute. Do I go? Oh, what man. bad pun can we make for a droid? Uh. Anyway, yeah. Okay. No, I. I you know, so there it is. I mean, it's definitely it's, you know it's become a kids franchise. And there was an article in in uh, the London Times uh, about three four years ago when uh, Revenge of the Sith came out, and I had to agree with this. Is that the truth of the matter is no one hates Star Wars movies more than Star Wars fans, and that the reality is now that the that the only people that like them are people that go, oh, I don't really like, you know, I'm okay people with it, whatever. The people that don't care, the people that care, just like, and then you realize when you actually like. Lay out everybody's arguments and their problems with it. It's like, so exactly what about Star Wars did you like right. in the first place? Well, that's the whole and thing. So it's that's like, where I just want to. But just we've step already been down go. this road. Yeah. Like, remember when they had the Ewok TV movies back in the day? Like, those were really there bad. There was no internet to bitch about. I that, know. Though. I'm just saying. Like, the Star Wars fans back then didn't seem to have a problem. I mean, as a kid, I watched both those things. Well, thinking, I was, you know, I was scolded by Stephen Moffat. Uh, when I sat down to interview him for the, did he play uh, Wicket? No, he's the Doctor Who producer, and I said something. He said about you know Doctor Who's a kids show. Now you can't explain to a British guy, you know, by no stretch of American imagination is Doctor Who much of a kids show for little kids. Yeah. You know, but I said so. You know, are you going to so saying you're going to bring in Ewoks? He says I like the Ewoks, and he just turned on me because he said, you know, it you was, insulted his they work were for kids. Kids love the Ewoks. Okay. And we've had this problem. And I'm like, you know, there it is. This goes back to, you know, it's like well, I was too at- old for that joy. Now, I was 11 when the first movie, which we, as we said last week, we will always call Star Wars, uh, when the first movie came out. Right. But it's and it always was, been for kids. And it was always no, catching no, no. the tail end. But Look not at, for Rick. Rick was it's like not, no, 37. It's, it's you not know? always. Yeah. I was 49 when the first movie came <laughs> yeah. out. I'm 105 now. Yeah. Okay. Um, when the uh, the first two movies did just not. even add up. I didn't. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, the first two movies did not have kid elements in it. That was only introduced. I object. Well, okay. What, give me a kid element. C-3PO and R2-D2. Um, beep, boop, 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 boop. Oh, R2. I mean, uh, come on. That's and then Chewbacca. Big that's not for kids. Let the Wookiee win. Um, yeah, you no, know, I, 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 the Wookiee I, was scary. There was really there was a lot about the first movie for nineteen seventy seven, and that's the other thing too. You're you follow us a little a few years behind. Well, I was a kid when I saw it. So. A few years behind, and what was you know, so I thought the cantina scene when yeah. Obi Wan sliced off that guy's arm. That was a threatening scene the first that time you saw it. That was very intimidating, very scary aliens. I took my brother, he was four, and he was terrified through yeah. that. You know, so you know, we were kids and we thought that was cool. Yeah, but we were you, like, you yeah, saw he chopped off his arm. Did you actually see it as first I saw it in seventy seven, yeah. How Century twenty two. I was four. Yeah, so, so you're my brother's age. Yeah. So we, that's like one of the main things we talked about. Oh, remember when that guy got his arm dropped off? That was awesome. So you were saying that at four. Well, maybe not awesome. Whatever the cool word was back then, but yeah. You said lawn, lawn like Star Wars. Lon. It was the fanboy babies. It was, was the fanboy babies. Young yeah, man. But anyways, uh, okay. so repeat this horse. We have. Let's move on to tell no. But wait, wait, wait. What? Empire Strikes Back. Yoda. Very adult, but but Yoda. very adult. No, but, Ooh, but, yes. but Ooh, I'm but a Muppet. <laughs> no, yeah, well, I will fight you for no, your no, food. No, 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 it was but not. the whole thing when no, no, Luke I, went in I entry, understand. I mean, it's a very, a, a very restricted. And there's a you go with Clone Wars. Listen to how close you're holding it. I, no, 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 it was very adult. It was very adult. But, but but Clone Wars. Here's the thing: is like, okay, tell me, do you even understand the concept of opening a trade route now? Uh, as an adult, Lon Lopez. That was the one thing that was a little going like, "What's and the this big is my deal?" Problem with that era, war, is that is that the is that he's so wrapped up in those geopolitical concerns that he didn't have in four, five, six. So if I have the a complaint, is, is though, that there's a lot that kids are just going to go. 
okay, whatever. It's like it's like giving uh, you know the brothers Karamazov to uh, to a seven year old. Yeah, uh, you know, which I will always remember this Linus in Peanuts reading that. I just bleep over the words I don't understand. It goes much faster that way, and so I feel that that, that Lucas is like suddenly confused this with Russian literature. I just the, so you're the mad clone. that he's getting more sophisticated. You just said you thought his shut th- up. Oh, okay, <laughs> this is for me. This is shut your filthy pie hole. I, I want to say one last thing on this. <laughs> the the whole thing about the clone troopers. As major characters in this, fighting, fighting side by side with the Jedi, we, and we know they've all got that secret initial order buried yeah, in no them. So they, they, they are they are the mechanism by which the the Jedi are going to be taken down. And this is this is like watching like middle story for Othello, right? It's like if you where Iago is a hero, yeah. So. I am just uh, I don't yeah, like it. Yeah, we went it. all Shakespeare on your butt there, Lopez. All I know is I actually was quite entertained by the little Roger Roger droids. I thought they were hilarious. Okay. I mean, I thought it was like you know what I mean? Like I went in kind of just saying You were entertained by the Roger Roger when droids. When he was like Oh, get him in that sector 1 2 3 and he's all Uh-oh. Uh, sector You know what? what? What's that? You know what after the show? After the podcast tonight? Yeah. We're going to do a puppet show for you. Yay, I like puppets. <laughs> Moving right. Is there going to be monkeys involved? Huh? Maybe. A monkey puppet show. See, this is why I enjoy life so much more because I don't yeah, Right, because you don't care. think. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Television, anything? No, Anyone? no. Yoda was very serious. Okay, go ahead. Shut your <laughs> filthy pie hole. Um, we got the Sarah Connor Chronicles come out on DVD this week. Yep. I didn't get the collection, but there and it is. It's they're coming. showing it on TV every night. Well, they've only got like season. eight episodes. Yeah. And it's the summer, and they, so you think you can dance ran out. So. And did yeah, you see you the go. new full-page ad for the Terminator with Summer Glau? Yeah, uh, you showed me that. She's it's backless. <laughs> Literally. Literally backless. <laughs> okay with that. It's not nearly as disturbing as last year's yeah. uh, promotional ad for that. So, I, you know, I'm glad it's renewed. I'm glad it's going to But it does appear back. that even though she got exploded, she'll yeah. be back. Oh, you knew she was going to be. Do you think female Terminators pump? and male Terminators kind of, you know what I mean? They plug in. They recharge. Ooh, they download. Yeah. Uh, I'm I think, just curious. I think that they are certainly implying that that may cross her mind. Yeah. Does a female term? do you think you could... She anatomically correct? Yeah. Do you think it could... I think that the series, again, has been implying, it's hard to tell because it was cut short by the writer's strike. Sorry, this is what goes through my head. I know. I know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was implied that I think that John Connor, as an adult... Nails her. Spends some time having a relationship <laughs> with her. Yeah. That's the difference between me and, and Derek. And then he <laughs> bragged about it to his troops. <laughs> He's all, so you nailed it? And then Skynet yeah. bombed them all. Um, so, with a you know, machine gun. I think so. Uh, another uh, DVD that comes out this week is Dexter, the second season of the serial killer. I'm actually uh, looking drama. forward to that because I didn't have Showtime or and I wasn't going to watch it edited. You yeah, know, my so. brother got into that show and I watched a couple well, episodes. Think, tell me because I, I got the DVD. I haven't had a chance to watch it's it. It's not bad. I, I mean, it it's Monday. it's very hard to get behind the whole he's the forensic blood specialist and a serial killer. You know what I mean? So it's one of those things where it's pretty much all the tension is him going to work going, oh, my God, do they think they'll find out it's me? You know what I mean? It's well, I'm going to tell you something. They're adding some, a character for the third season that dims my hopes for the Star Wars series because I think you can guess which actor it will be, the Star Wars television series. Oh, uh, Jar Jar Binks? Jimmy Smits is becoming a regular oh, on Dexter for the third season as someone yeah. who does discover his secret and, like his apparently his foster father, encourages to, it. encourages it and decides to use that for good. And so you're saying he's using his powers only, only for, for good. good. Yeah, I wish you hadn't said that because, you know, we're really <laughs> out of stuff. And now we're just kind of going to go there. Actually, I'll, I'll send you a celebrity bump this week. How about okay. that? So uh, there, there we go. Um, yeah, I mean, that's all I can say for TV this week or DVD. We've talked about No, I have the, one more TV recommendation. What? Okay, please do. Uh, the Shield's final uh, uh, season comes yeah. back on September 2nd on FX. And I don't know if you guys ever watched it. I'm a huge Shield fan, uh, Michael Chiklis. It's and one of those I keep meaning to get he's to. He's the guy that played the thing. Exactly. So there's the fanboy tie-in. Ooh. But uh, really stoked. And John Belushi. Because this was supposed to come out last year, and it stopped because of the writer's strike. Yeah. 
So there's a lot of hype, and usually the shield comes on mid-season, like it's a mid-season uh, series. You know, series comes on like oh, but FX is making a February or, killing then by coming in now, right? So they're going to come in in September. So, but it's one of those things where the show's like kind of dropped off every year because just you know it's gotten a little convoluted, meaning that like you know only the fans are into it now. But it's it's such a good. It's such a well acted show. It's so crazy with but this is the one, stuff that's going what on. What I do it's like fantastic. about like a, a well written show that's going to reach it has an ending. You know, it's like right. uh, when do you intend to die? You can do anything. It gets so much energy from getting to a finale, a real kind of like the Clone Wars that has no ending because <laughs> in ten years he's going to go back and so and you and we didn't tell you about this month mm. in the Clone Wars. Um, with one that is re, that is head reaching a season finale now that you sparked it is the Venture Brothers, which you love. Oh, uh, I only saw parts of that. Sunday is uh, this upcoming Sunday is the last episode. I don't think it's the last and, episode ever. I part hope. two of uh, part two of a two part episode, which just which just part one killed me. Blew I, the doors that, out of everything. It was an awesome show. Oh, is, that was man. the one they're trying to kill Brock, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. I saw parts of that. Yeah. So uh, the GI Joe guys come oh, back. Oh yeah. <laughs> the OSI Shore guys. leave. Shore leave comes <laughs> back. Only he's found God. Mm-hmm. So found Jesus. Uh, and uh, so yeah, you need to watch it. You need to watch it's it. It's hilarious. Yeah, what I saw oh. was pretty hilarious. Oh jeez. So and I'm really big spoiler alert. Brock cuts off. All his hair and puts it on a shark. <laughs> that was hilarious. It is so hardcore. I'm like, with what? With the shark's tooth. That's what's so great. <laughs> he shaved his own head with a shark's tooth. Uh, while still and in the shark's it, mouth, and he kept it all one piece too. He didn't just cut off chunks. That's product. He went around the, the assassin goes, "You cut off your hair. He was such a good look." <laughs> so. What a great show! Yeah. Um, so I'm Do- hoping Doctor Miss and Doctor Doctor misses the monarch. Doctor misses the monarch. It's you know I'm really hoping this isn't the end of the series. I I, I don't know. I haven't heard anything on uh, what they plan to do, but I, I hope there's another season because I tell you, I find that did, I just love this. They're going show out so on much. top. I mean, I, I it's I, hard I to believe that the first two seasons were all build up to this. You don't think I? You don't think we fell for that Lassie stuff, did you? I mean, it's just so well done, Hank. Anyway, love that show. So yeah. catch the ending, catch the DVD when it's out. It's the best. You know, I, yeah. I just it's awesome. So, uh, you know, one DVD I, that I should mention just because uh, I don't have it, but call attention to it for people that the, the filmation episodes of of other superheroes oh, that yeah. was collected and so that's out so it's the hawkman teen titans uh adam green lantern animated animated from the 60s they would fall into the superman aquaman hour oh. yeah. so they're little short episodes characters that couldn't care i mean it's, it's like the lost series. i remember like that. nobody right, knew right. that you know so now did uh, they ever we've discussed this before and i probably asked you did they ever release the flash gordon filmation stuff yes that is on that, okay. that is what about the tarzan filmation stuff i do not that believe, was actually pretty I, good that's a pretty good series uh i do not believe that the tarzan animated has been released yet okay but i can cross keep my fingers crossed because that was good that that was uh that was a very good series. So what's this one disc called? The one the filmation one. Uh it's DC Superheroes and it has the filmation logo or you know it, and Is it coming out soon? No, or? It came out 2 weeks ago. Oh wow. But cool. I did not get a copy on for or it may have come out just this week and I didn't get it. And, well, filmation, uh, we'd like to review it. Uh, so Warner Brothers has it. Warner Brothers see that and that's what's tying up filmation is that everything's gone to like their original rights holders and some don't. So Warner Brothers gets all the DC stuff. Oh. Well, you know, I won a little extra money on the craps table this week. So. I was going to say, I <laughs> Maybe just, I'll saw, go check I just it out. saw today uh, in October, and I'm, I put this immediately on my Amazon wish list, the complete remastered Ultraman. Wait, The no, TV this, show? The TV show. Which one, though? Uh, because they, re- they had relaunched it like in the 90s. No, this is the original. Okay, the original. Series. Japanese series. Black and white? It's color. It's is color. It color. Yeah, okay. it's color. So uh, what was the main uh, guy's name? Kanaka or Kanado? Uh, uh, Kanada, wasn't it? No, Hayata. 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 When right. Hayata raises the the beta capsule, I mean, I how can I forget that? I mean, I played that in kindergarten every doggone day. I was Hayata out on that, and, and the kids looked at me strangely. Yes, <laughs> yes. I bet they did. Shut up. Shut your <laughs> filthy pie hole. It's a beta capsule. It's a piece of tan bark, Derek. Now get to class. <laughs> <laughs> All right, shut up. All right, well, if you've got any comments, questions, <laughs> criticisms, you want Lon to shut his filthy pie hole, 
right into editor at fanboyplanet.com. Tips for what to do with tan bark. Yes. Mm-hmm. In the meantime, I'm Derek McCaw, editor-in-chief of fanboyplanet.com. Hope you're reading the site. And uh, to my left, saying goodnight. This is Edward James Olmos. And you're listening to the Fanboy Planet podcast. That's pretty good. <laughs> I like Thanks. that. Wish you'd save that for a celebrity bump. Uh, Lon Lopez, moreonlife.com, fanboyplanet.com, and rickbredschneiderisawesome.com. Wow, that, you started a new website. He's got, <laughs> yeah. I, you've got that domain name. Yep. Yes. Sorry, buddy. <laughs> I'm trying to find out. Rick Brett Snyder signing off. And what do we have? Uh, we have uh, a special James celebrity Olmos? guest. Hi, this is Diedrich Bader. I play Batman on Batman Brave and the Bold. Remember, use your powers only for good. And thanks once again to the great Luke Ski for use of his music in this podcast. Visit Luke Ski at www.lukeski.com. Okay. All right. Imagine the music first. Right. I got it. I'm a professional here. I've done like over 100 episodes. Okay. And, and then when you're ready... Right, got you it. You say your funny thing. Uh, yes, I, I got to thank you. Okay. All right. What funny I'm thing helping. is that? What? Oh, okay, I got it. What? All right, I, I got it. Here we Are go. Are you ready? Okay. Listen up, fanboy. <sighs> well, that's loud. <laughs> that was freaky. Wow. Anybody else totally getting freaked out by my voice? You are in a mood tonight, aren't you? Man, where do I turn you down? It was Kumbaya oh, Day. Oh, that's why. I was stuck in a retreat. <laughs> we did that, to be on my best Do that split-level head stuff where you record one track and then you respond to yourself on the other track. <laughs> you sound like Jim the Anvil Neidhart. Who? I was walking along the street. The street. Yeah, the street. Yeah. You sure? You want to live like common people? Rick Brett Snyder signing off. And what do we have? Uh, we have a uh, special James celebrity Olmos? guest. No, I guess we'll put him in right yeah. here. <laughs> yeah.